This episode is sponsored by Paleo Valley. Paleo Valley's meat sticks have been a lifesaver during this hot summer. Since they're shelf stable, I always have three Paleo Valley meat sticks in my bag at all times. It's also been perfect for my boys' lunch boxes. I love Paleo Valley's grass finished beef sticks and pasture raised turkey sticks because they support US family farmers that focus on regenerative agriculture. These meat sticks are from animals that have never been fed grains, soy, corn, or GMOs and have never been given antibiotics. The spices in these meat sticks are also 100% organic. The sticks come in five different flavors, and my favorite is the original beef stick, and my boys love the teriyaki beef sticks and the original pasture raised turkey stick. Paleo Valley's meat sticks are a perfect snack and, frankly, a great value without skimping on quality. Each stick is about $2 with our discount code, and it comes in a 10 pack bag. Make sure to support this podcast and head over to paleovalley.comslash CATG and use code CATG to get 15% off your first order. Thanks for listening and supporting the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. Laura and I are just going to be talking really candid. This is what this podcast is all about. It's one thing to say, I want to eat something else that's not meat. It's a whole other thing to say, you need to eat something else that's not meat. If you notice that you're jumping from diet to diet, at a certain point, you have to wonder. The only common denominator is me. Get outside, go for a walk, get some vitamin D, breathe some fresh air,、uh, and, and stay happy and healthy and, and take care of yourselves. Let's just have some real talk. <laughs> Welcome to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. Welcome back to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. My name is Laura Spath, and I am joined by my friend and co host, and all around amazing person, Judy Cho. And we are going to address one of the most common basic questions that we get on a regular basis. I think maybe from two different sides. Like people ask me from my personal side, and then Judy gets the scientific side of it. So we're going to really dive into talking about. Fiber and how do you poop without fiber? So, we'll call this like the what about fiber or the poop episode? One of those two. We'll see where the conversation goes.、Um, but that, I mean, don't you think, Judy, you get that question like almost every day in some form? When I wrote the Carnivore Cure book, chapter 11 is all the concerns about a meat only carnivore diet. And so, one of the topics in that section is fiber because To this day, I get questions all the time about, well, don't we need fiber for the short chain fatty acids and to feed our gut microbiome and the prebiotics? And so it's asked a lot. I get it. I mean, all the gut specialists are always talking about it. And even though I advocate for gut health, I don't think we need the fiber that, that we as a society now are always focused on. And we can talk a little bit about that. Let me just give a Simple breakdown, and you can find some of this content in chapter 11 of Carnivore Care. But the reason we revere fiber from our fibrous foods、um, and these vegetables, and again, there's soluble fiber and then there's insoluble. So the ones that are in our whole, whole grain cereals and the processed packaged foods are the less optimal ones. And so there's some in the plant foods and in veggies that basically. They break down into short chain fatty acids in our gut microbiome. And so it feeds it and then it produces these short chain fatty acids, things like butyrate, propionate, and acetate. And the thing is, 
all of that, what I just said is true, but it really depends on your gut health. So if you don't really have good gut health, you may not even be breaking down these plants into short chain fatty acids. There was a study in 2016 where they showed and proved that butter contained 3 to 4% of butyric acid in the form of tributrin or butyrol triglyceride. If you think about the word butyrate, which is a short chain fatty acid that's good for the gut microbiome, and then butter, they sound kind of similar. And the reason is they're both derived from the Latin word butyrum. And so It's odd to me that we think of vegetables as the greatest source of short-chain fatty acids and, for example, butyrate, when you can eat butter. And in that 2016 study, they showed that butter contained the most concentration of butyric acid than any other form. And it's in the most absorbable form. You don't have to break it down. For that reason alone, you don't necessarily need it. And then the other, so there's three. So the other one is acetate and acetate is acetic acid, which is vinegar. How many people eat vinegar on a standard American diet every day? But If you really want the acetate, you can take apple cider vinegar. I mean, if you can tolerate it, I don't think that's a bad thing. It could help with digestion prior to a meal. Some people say it helps with blood sugar balance. Some people say it helps with a little bit of GERD without having to take the digestive enzymes. So that's an option. I don't think it's a bad option. You could do one tablespoon with a little bit of water right before your meal, maybe 15 minutes before. And then you could get your acetate and then in your meal, have a little butter and there's your butyrate. So then leftover is propionate. There is some calcium propionate, which is in like Swiss cheese and yogurts. So you can get that. And then there's some meat products that have the calcium propionate, um, maybe some processed meat. Um, I think some chicken products have it and some canned fish and shellfish. If you want to make sure and get those, you can do that and do those things. But what I'll say from a in my clinical practice is that of all the people that are carnivore that do stool tests, these three markers that I just mentioned, the propionate, butyrate, acetate, they are all over the map. So some people have it low and then they could say, see, it's because I'm not eating plants. But then some people have it high and they're like, what is going on? I just don't think we know enough right now. A lot of our gut microbiome health was based on a population of people. So they grabbed a population of healthy people and they're like, let's check out their poop and let's check out their microbiome, see what gut bugs are there for health. And then they said, okay, so we see these commonalities. And then they grabbed a population of not well people and they did the same thing. So some of it is just well, we tend to see these markers higher in healthy people, and then these markers lower in not so healthy people. So maybe that's what it is. But it doesn't take into account lifestyle. It may not necessarily be certain diversity, but more of just having certain healthy strains. And the thing is, we just, again, we don't know. I've been carnivore for three plus years, and I've never checked any of those things. So before people are writing those terms down to go get their blood work done, that's not what we're suggesting, right? It's a poop test. Yes. So, which we've told we, if you want to hear more about what we think about poop tests, you can go listen to that episode that we did about uh, testing and supplements and stuff. But I think that when most, so you're talking about the grander sense of like, do we need fiber for healthy gut microbiome? And I think that people get there to that question further into this lifestyle. I think that the very first question people go is, well, if I'm not eating a bunch of fiber, how do I even poop? Because there's that 
misconception about the fact that fiber is what keeps your poop flowing, right? And, yes. and that if you eat only meat, you're going to be massively constipated. And I think that's most people who have not done this diet, that's their fear going into it is, and for somebody like myself who struggled a lot with constipation and like pretty unpleasant digestive issues, very severe hemorrhoids and a lot of those other things, right? I have a YouTube video that talks all about poop and hemorrhoids. If you really want to go listen to that lovely conversation, but people are so scared of going carnivore because they're like, well, I'm not eating fiber. I'm not even going to be able to go to the bathroom um, unless I'm eating tons of roughage and vegetables. So let me ask you then, Laura, in the last three years, have you had a bowel movement? <laughs> Let's talk about my poop, Judy, because that's, I mean, people are, very, it is a question that is asked uh, probably both of us is like, what's your poop sure. like? Um And I think that the shock that most people have, if they're not aware of it going into it, is that when you go strict carnivore, you actually deal with the opposite. Most people have pretty extreme diarrhea going strict carnivore from the very beginning. And so you can correct me from a science perspective, but like what I've learned is that beef is, um, so let's start with vegetables, right? Vegetables, the reason why people think that they need vegetables to poop is because vegetables there's a lot of roughage there and a lot of waste. And you do such a good job of talking about things that are bioavailable. So while this big pile of spinach that you're going to eat has a lot of nutrients in it, your body actually can't absorb those things. So you eat a lot of spinach and you got a lot of waste to push out and that creates poop. So people, vegans who are bragging about pooping six times a day, well, that's because they're eating so much stuff that their body can't utilize. And so it's pushing it out and wasting it. When something like beef is so bioavailable for your body, first of all, beef is like 80% water. And then what's left of that beef is actually absorbed by your body and your body's able to utilize all of that. So what's left for you to waste is the water that's in the beef, which is why most people who go super strict, especially all meat only and fat, somehow in there, fat makes you poop extra too, right? So the fat and the beef, there's just so much that's utilized and like whether it's water or fat, or maybe you can clarify a little bit, but that's why most people at first get that flush of diarrhea. And then your body has to learn to kind of absorb that water or regulate. And I don't know, tell me how off I am on that one. I never considered it in terms of the actual beef um, breakdown of the water and the fat. And I'm sure there's some truth to that. Um, I haven't focused on it specifically for that reason alone. But if we were to just think of plants, and by the way, actually, uh, vegans struggle with a lot of constipation and also a lot of gut issues and gut dysbiosis. There's a study, there was a study, and I can't recall it clearly, but essentially, there were different pockets of people. And in one, one group, they had people eat very low to no fiber in their diet. The middle was I think they had a little bit more. And then the um, the opposite end was that they were eating a lot of fiber. And in that study, 
the people that felt the best were the people that were eating no fiber. And um, what ended up happening is at the end of the study, they were allowed to eat however they wanted. And the people that ate no to low fiber were the ones that continued to eat that way. And it also depends on what kind of fibers and there's so many different kinds, but some types of fibers cause you to be very constipated. So it's not really true. Sure, it bulks up your stool because the fiber will pull water into your system and then it'll bulk it up but it doesn't necessarily help you to go. So a lot of carnivores will use fibrous supplements to help stop some of that loose stools. I think the reason why we have loose stools in the beginning of a carnivore diet is obviously there's several things. Our electrolytes are getting imbalanced. Our body now has to shift from using mostly glucose to now using ketones. And it's a whole shift. It's going to take some time. If you've been eating low fat, which most of us have, all of a sudden, we're knocking on our gallbladder's door or our liver, and then the storage part of it, which is the gallbladder. And we're saying, hey, hey, we need more bile and we need a lot of it because now we're eating a lot of fat. And so for a lot of people, that transition, it could be electrolyte related. It could be that your bile is not really doing its job. And so it's kind of clunky. And so therefore, the food is just kind of shooting through you, right? The the water balance with the electrolytes and the fat load is not working that well. And so that's where people may then include some dairy. You have to ultimately find that balance. And it's tricky. For some people, the loose stools can be that they have an issue with their bile. And if that's an issue, then if they're also struggling with hormones, that can be part of the issue. We use our bile to then remove a lot of the toxins and we have a bowel movement and it will release any of those like toxic estrogens. And if you're not having enough bile, well, then it gets recirculated. Does that answer your question with some of the loose stools in the beginning? Oh yeah, definitely. I think I could have, I experienced that a lot in the beginning, but after dealing with severe constipation for so many years and like so much trauma with all of that, that I welcomed let's let's clip this and put it out of context. I welcomed diarrhea, Judy. I was like very excited for the diarrhea. And so I should have focused more once I met you later into this journey, I realized I should have been focusing more on like gut health in the beginning. There's probably some supplements I should have been taking from the very beginning, but most people are going to experience that. I think mine personally went on for longer because I probably should have done a few things differently. Um, and like you said, I do know people that leverage that fiber a little bit. Nobody I know is taking fiber because they're trying to get things moving. Like you mentioned, people are taking a fiber supplement because they're trying to slow things down a little bit. Um, which is so interesting because for years and years, the answer every time, I mean, I went to like colorectal specialist and doctors about severe constipation and their answer is always take more fiber, take more fiber. And you know, then on top of that, I was taking bottles of, you know, stool softeners and things. And it's just knowing now what we know, like once you take that red pill and you have your eyes awoken to like what exactly fiber does. And yet that's the answer to what doctors are telling you to take when you're dealing with like, it makes you crazy. Like it makes me so mad that that's the advice that people who are struggling with what I struggled with are still getting that same advice. And like, now I'm going to get fired up for a second because (laughs) like knowing now what we know, how can people do that? Like, how can people give that advice? How can doctors give that advice? And how can other people not see it? Like, that's the problem. This is goes back to our red pill episode. But like, once you take that red pill and you're awakened to 
kind of the truth behind the misconception or the myth, it's like you want everybody to be in on that and you want to just like scream about it and you want people to find healing with this way. And like, I just think about all the years of pain, literal pain that I went through when this was the answer, you know, like when eating meat was the answer and cutting out the fiber would have been the answer for me. Struggling with an eating disorder. I mean, I totally forgot I used to do this and I did it almost for a decade, but I used to buy the fiber one box cereals and I would eat a whole box in two days and maybe three days because I was like, I need to get so much fiber in. I need to eat. I think it was like 30 grams. I don't even remember how much it was. And that would make me more constipated. And then the way I dealt with it was I would just take laxatives. And yeah. and in the eating disorder facility, they were more worried about people that were taking laxatives than people that were purging because the laxatives really force your stools to remove a lot of nutrients and a lot of water and then the electrolyte imbalance. And they said it's a lot more dangerous for your health. Those things aren't good, but I see... So many people take the stool softeners and the laxatives and even like magnesium citrate. I know it's fine to take it a little bit if you're clogged up. If you take it a long time, that's similar to a laxative. And then you can get those electrolyte imbalances. And that's where it's dangerous because then with the electrolyte imbalances, you feel really weak and you don't feel well. And a lot of times when people go into the ER and they're just feeling really off, one of the first things they check is your electrolyte balance. And Hmm. so if you take any things that are pushing your stool out and forcing it out of your body unnaturally, where you're going to mess with your electrolytes. So it's just something to think about. Ideally, we want to go even on a carnivore diet at least once every two, three days. We do want to go that often, at least because it is a way we remove toxins. There are some people... And this kind of goes against what a little bit what we're saying, but there are some people that they cannot remove their estrogen in their body, like the 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 toxic versions. And so if they don't have a stool, it'll go back and recirculate. And that's where it's not healthy. Whoa. And that's where, yes. And so that's where I highly recommend people going at least two to three, I would say two every once every two days, maybe once every three days. But if you're eating sufficient protein and fat, you should be able to go that often. And I'll be really honest, my clients, most of them go once every day or every other day. It's rare that they go once every three days, but I'm being nice on this podcast and saying once every three days. If you are constantly constipated and you're not having a a lot of dairy, and then if you're eating a sufficient amount of fat, maybe 70% of your total calories, so a full ribeye with the fat, and maybe not too much added butter, and you're still constipated, you may want to check your hormones if you're not releasing the estrogen, it could be that too. Yeah. If you're constipated on carnivore, I would get down to like the beef only or meat only for a short period of time and see what's causing that. Obviously cut out the dairy. Uh, I think most people know of that one, but also I, like you said, make sure you're getting enough fat because if you're doing super lean meats and really high protein and not enough fat, that also might be, especially like maybe you are eating chicken or a lot of egg whites um, things like that and not getting enough essentially fat to kind of help things go. That would be something that you could leverage. Also, you know, like you mentioned earlier, the electrolytes is key. So electrolytes will help you go. But also if you have that diarrhea, then, which first of all, I love that I say poop and diarrhea and you say loose stools and uh, what was the other one? <laughs> Pretty oh, a bowel movement or something. <laughs> You're using like proper words and I'm just over here saying poop and diarrhea. Anyway. 
Judy's you know why? It's be- wait, but it's only because. So imagine I'm talking to like Dr. Benjamin Bigman, and I'm like, so you know when clients are going diarrhea, so I I just learned to say the more proper words just because. Yeah. You know, you stool. That, you're so. saying stools and I say poop and whatever. No, I get it. But then I get somebody who DMs me and they're like, how big's your poop? I'm like, well, what is my life right now? Like, what am I Anyway, but if you are having the loose stools, then you are likely getting rid of a lot of your electrolytes. And so, which is why for several reasons in the beginning, it's really important that you are supplementing with electrolytes. You're flushing out a lot of those carbs. Your body's getting used to not retaining water. You're flushing out your natural electrolytes. And then you have tons of loose stools. If you're not supplementing properly with electrolytes, then you're not going to feel good. Um, which I think is really important. I know we're talking about poop and then we're talking about fiber, but yeah, we just, I mean, we just don't really need the fiber. Now, if you want to try a little bit of fiber, because let's say you do have that issue with uh, detoxing estrogen. Um, I mean, you can do other ways of detoxing, like releasing it from your sweat. And, but the bigger one will be through the bile, through the stool. So then you may want to consider maybe some steamed veggies and just a little bit to see if it can help you go. But I've never had to use that, honestly. I mean, I had a client or I have a client who was severely constipated his whole life. And he had SIBO, so that's another reason it happened. But once he cleared the SIBO, he was still struggling with constipation. And so he was using basically like a stool softener, a blend of, I think it was calcium, vitamin C, and magnesium. He would take that every day to go um, consistently. And ever since working with me, it's been a while now, and he eats... 80, almost 75, between 75 to 80% fat or like 180 grams of fat. It's a lot, but he's a, you know, he's a big guy and he's healing. He goes regular, right? And yeah, he's, he, he's still working on healing things. Yeah. And he, but he doesn't use any of those supplements anymore. So he has a regular, but he thought he could never get off those supplements. Yeah. It's possible. Uh, I mean, other things too, like medication, my mom goes through with her surgeries and stuff. Like she, I mean, not that she's going to love that I'm talking about this about her, but like when, after she has her surgeries and a lot of the medications that they end up giving her cause her a lot of issues with that too. And again, her way around that is not by taking fiber. It's almost by, um, you know, cutting out anything else that she's eating. That's not meat. So maybe it's cutting out the cheeses and and other stuff to help her kind of heal herself a little bit. Yeah. So medication is tricky and I don't even know all of them. I have to always look it up in my pharmacy book, but um, medications will absolutely affect your bowels and even thyroid medication. So that really differs and it plays a whole different ballpark. If you are taking medication and your stools become really inconsistent and you're taking the medication, I would definitely talk to the doctor, explain that your diet has changed. And if their answer is because you need fiber, well, then obviously that's probably not the right person to talk to. One of the biggest things that my clients also say is I'm going, but my stools are so small and they're not like they used. And so I asked them, do you feel like you're done? Like, do you feel that you need to still kind of go, but it's not coming out? And they say no. So that's like my measure is, okay, it's fine that your stool is small as long as it sinks, as long as it's a good solid brown coat. <laughs> no, and then, this is know, important information. I know I do. It's important. I'm just a 12 year old. That's all. Sorry. No, no. So if you look at the Bristol stool chart, um, you guys can, I'll put a link in the show notes, but the Bristol stool chart, you want to be like a three, four, maybe five sometimes, but essentially you want the stool to sink. You want, um, 
I am a big fan of checking out your poop. I tell my kids to look at it. Okay, so since we don't really eat fiber, it won't really float. But if it does float and you don't eat fiber, it's likely that maybe there's too much fat in the stool. Um, if there's any like clouds of grease or oil, that's a sign. Um, extra mucus is never once in a while fine, but normally it's not a good thing. So I always have my kids check and they're like, look, mom, my stool is not floating. And that's a good thing, right? Do your boys say stool or do they say poop? No, they say poop. (laughs) Okay, good. Just saying. No, but I think that the, the fat part of it is if you are eating too much fat, then you're right. Like things definitely look different as far as texture wise. Like if you are having too much fat and, and being able to leverage the fat or the, um, fiber can help with that, you know, but kind of where we started this whole podcast at the beginning, like you were talking about gut health and microbiome. And I think that's part of it too. Like once people get past the stool part and get to having consistent stools, then I think there's this fear of like, well, I'm going to destroy my gut health because I'm not eating the fiber or I'm not eating the plants or I'm not taking vitamins. And so that is the information that you were really addressing, which I think is so important And that's kind of the second level of questions that people end up having with fiber is what about my gut health? And I think we see a lot of people start really focusing on gut health several months into this way of eating. Yeah. And so the short answer is you don't have to worry. So I always tell people, look, before you ate a standard American diet or not an ideal diet and you never worried about gut health, now you're trying to get healthy. I would recommend honestly is try it for 90 days. And if you feel better, that is a sign that your gut health is saying it's happy. If your, your energy is good, your sleep is good, your, you know, your mood, your skin, all of these things are doing better. That is a sign that your internal microbiome is doing okay. We don't have to, this goes back to how we measure things differently on a carnivore diet, like our T3 might be a little bit lower, our um, glucose might be a little bit higher, our uh, LDL and HDL might be a little bit higher on our carnivore diet. And that is okay in context. And in that same vein, even if our diversity is not much, it may be okay. And I just think that we Even though we say and we go against the grain or cut against the grain and we say that we're going to eat a diet that is so vastly different than what's recommended, we still try to fit the box with everything else, right? So still try to fit the box with the electrolytes or with the salt amount or with the hormone levels. And it's just, we don't need that with the fiber. And again, you can just assume this diet is a temporary thing and try it out. And if you are feeling better your symptoms are the number one way to know if you're going in a good place or not. Yeah. It kind of circles back to the point we mentioned often of like, don't go looking for problems if there aren't any. If you're still dealing with issues several months in as far as gut health and your, and your stools, and then, then we need to address it and you need to look into some things. But like, if everything's going great with your gut, with you're the way you feel after you have a meal, you're not getting bloated, you're not feeling cramping, you're not having, you know, bowel issues, you're not have. then why would you do a stool test? Or like, why are those yeah. things that you're getting tested? If you're not experiencing issues, like we have to trust our bodies in a sense. Yeah. And I can tell you that everybody that does those stool tests, we're testing for parasites, we're testing for H. pylori, we're testing for other imbalances. And it is never because we're like, let's see where your short chain fatty acids are. It is, we only get that as a byproduct of taking the test, but we are looking for other disease within the body. 
Do they have signs of candida? Do they have parasites, worms? Like these are legitimate things that we need to remove from the body immediately. And when someone's not getting better, those are things that we need to test for. But we, I never test people saying, let's see where your short chain fatty acid balance is. Because the thing is, of it's just interestingly, when we get the results, I'm telling you with carnivores, it is all over the map. Yeah. And there's no, there's no, like, because like you said, this is not, we don't need to follow the RDAs for things. Like we shouldn't be expecting we've, we've gone against that. Like you just said, we've gone against the traditional medical advice and we realize that's what's healthy for us. So why are we still looking at those testing markers? Um, you know, I think most people who've gotten to this point also are kind of red pilled on cholesterol and know that the traditional cholesterol numbers aren't going to be representative of your health. And so this is another one of those things that we have to just really trust that our bodies and trust like what's happening. Um, if you are somebody who's experiencing loose stools in the beginning, like, you know, maybe, maybe you should take some fiber, um, in the yeah. early on just to get you through that. Um, and just to help you adjust, it shouldn't be something that you're needing long-term. And if you are, then that's where you start looking into the root cause of like, whatever those problems are, you don't want to just deal with that long-term. Yeah. And that's exactly it. If you are constantly dealing with loose stools in the beginning, you may just want to slow into carnivore and that'll really depend on your personality type. It'll really depend on your goals. But I mean, that's an always an option. Um, I think the paleo people are the best people to pick on. (laughs) No offense, but it's because they eat such a clean diet. They remove dairy even, right? So because they say it's insulogenic or it causes inflammation. And there's some truth to the insulin. But again, remember, insulin is in context. But they eat whole foods and they maybe eat some nuts, which are not ideal. But in general, they eat a lot of meat. And if you see that population of people, there's a lot of people that struggle with hypothyroidism, lots of people that still struggle with Hashimoto's. And then they have a stricter version that's autoimmune paleo. They still allow you to eat some veggies and fruits and they're not fully healing. And that is why when diets don't fully work for everyone, there's evolving in that. And that's when the ketogenic diet became more um, prevalent and then the carnivore diet, you know, and so if you think about that, we've done the carb thing. I don't know why when something doesn't work, we're always like, we need to add fiber. And even like this prebiotic fiber, there is some truth to that. These prebiotic fibers will feed your good gut microbiome. But my biggest takeaway with that is, okay, so the prebiotics in fermented foods like kimchi, sauerkraut, those are specific to two countries. That's Korea. Sauerkraut is from Germany. And then even um, kefir is mostly from Russia. That is not the rest of the population. What about the people that lived by the coast or that lived by the equator? They're not eating a lot of prebiotic food. I'm sure there's some truth in the prebiotics, but you know what I can tell you is I've had clients that have taken prebiotic supplementations and they have felt worse. So I'm a fan of the probiotics, especially if you've been taking antibiotics, it may just help regrow some of the good gut bugs. But in general, we don't really need the fiber to be supporting our gut microbiome. I mean, you could get some of it, the butyrate from butter. And even if you don't eat butter, our bacteria makes butyrate from our leftover cells and mucus. And I mean, this is another fact that's in carnivore cure, but Our sigmoid colon, which is the end part of our large intestine, 
it relies mostly on the butyrate from our leftover foods, um, the leftover cells and mucus, not from short chain fatty acids from plants. Again, it's nuanced, but it's these little things that we shouldn't fear this way of eating. If you feel well, great. If you're not, it may be, it's, it's usually not that it's because you need plants. Right. So, I mean, for you, Laura, would you say that your, you know, your bowel movements and stools are pretty normal and it did it take time to get there? Oh yeah, definitely. I think that I can always tell though, things change depending on the strictness of my diet. If I'm eating a lot of processed meats, if I'm living on jerky for a couple of days, if I'm eating tons of cheese and jerky and pepperonis, then things are going to get a little more stopped up. And I need to, I realize like, okay, I've been getting a little dirty on my diet. I need to tighten things up or I need to clean things up again. And then I might swing to the other direction. And so um, if I go if I haven't eaten for a couple of days and I were to go straight to Fogo and eat two pounds of beef and tons of fat, I might get loose stools after sure. that because I'm eating so much in one sitting after waiting for so long. Like when I do a longer fast, I try to break my fast with beef. If I eat too much, I run straight to the bathroom. Sure. So I have to start with smaller portions. So I can tell those types of things. Um, where I still could swing to the loose stool side. And I also could swing to the constipation side, depending on what I'm eating. If I'm sticking with like a normal amount of food one or two times a day, um, and it's pretty clean as far as meats go and, and low in like seasoning or nuts or anything, I'm perfect. Everything's great. So I kind of just judge like how clean is my diet based on how my poop is. Yeah. And that's, that's normal. What you just brought up is very normal. I mean, based on the yeah. way you're eating your di- your, uh, your stool will change. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, I'm going to get really TMI right now, not about me, but one thing that fiber does is it just causes a little bit of constipation. So if you've ever eaten a lot of carbs and um, my husband calls it marker, butt, <laughs> but if you have that feeling where you're not fully done with the stool and you're you know, you're just kind of like, okay, I'm done sitting for a while. And so you keep wiping and it just keeps showing. Um, I mean, that's a sign of constipation. And right. if you feel like not fully relieved, um, I don't think most carnivores get that. And if you do, there's probably something else going on. And so you may want to check that out. Oftentimes that happens with a lot of fiber and also the nat- unnatural fibers that are in our processed foods that they just dump fiber into like yeah. our cereals. You know what else causes that for me is sugar alcohols. And if I do have things like sugar alcohols or also those keto treats have tons of fiber in them so that they can talk about net carbs because net carbs is like the total carb count minus the fiber minus the sugar alcohols. Well, they do all of that magic and that's the same thing. It gives me tons of gas and gives me that like you got to get a butter knife in there, you know, not not an actual literal knife, but that's what it feels like. Which, what you were just saying. And so if you're struggling with that or things feel really sticky, like are you eating keto treats or things with sweeteners and sugar alcohols? Um, because those things kind of cause that problem, can cause that. And yes, the keto treats have a lot of fiber. So, I mean, it just goes to show. Yeah, and I think yeah. that's a great example. Bringing up keto treats where people are like, it's not fully standard American diet, so it's a good balance. And hey, I can have some once in a while. But I mean, check in with yourself. If you eat keto treats, pretty often, do you notice that stool or like the not so ideal stools? And it's just something to think about compared to when you're eating constantly clean. I mean, most carnivores we know don't have any gas whatsoever. And so then when you, everybody that I know that has like had a keto treat occasionally or something instantly gets tons of gas. And so that is something 
to kind of be honest with yourself about. Yeah. I mean, our family has a joke. So if my kids have a toot, we're like, oh, there's the sugar. <laughs> and it's, the, true. Oh, <laughs> yeah. it's true. Yeah, for sure. Okay, guys, I hope that this helped you in terms of fiber, prebiotic fibers. I know that there are advocates. I know there's even some carnivores that believe that we should add some veggies because of the fibers. And I just don't fully agree. I don't see it in my clientele, um, especially if my clients are struggling with SIBO or small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, which can start from H. pylori, which can start from just low stomach acid, which most of us have. The best way to support it is by not eating fibrous foods, foods with sugar, so that you can do some healing. And then if you want to add fibrous vegetables for variety, um, for taste, fine. But as you're healing, it's it's ironic, but it's like the better, you'll do better without the fiber. Yeah, good. You don't need it. Don't worry about it. That's our point. <laughs> Since this episode is all about stools or bowel movements, or what Laura likes to call poops, Let's call it what it is. This week, my kids and I learned a bunch of jokes. I hope this one entertains you as much as it does for us. Why didn't the toilet paper cross the road? Because it got stuck in the crack. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to share and leave us a review and leave any comments and questions on Apple Podcasts. We will read and answer your questions and comments on an upcoming podcast episode. This also helps us to share our real talk with more community members. You can also find me on my other podcast, Nutrition with Judy, on all podcast channels. You can also follow my content on Nutrition with Judy's Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find Carnivore Cure in paperback, ebook, and audio on Amazon. I also have a blog post and weekly newsletter with nutrition and wellness updates. You can sign up at nutritionwithjudy.com. You can find Laura on Instagram at Laura East Bath. You can follow along on her daily stories and see some of her funny skits. You can also find Laura on her YouTube channel where she shares tips on living a meat-based lifestyle. If you're wondering how much meat to eat in a day, week, or month, Laura has you covered. She also shares how to make a perfect sear on a steak and how extended fasting looks like in real life. You can find her YouTube channel by searching Laura's Bath. Thanks again for listening to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. And remember, make sure to cut against the grain. Thanks for tuning in to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to share and leave us a review and leave any comments and questions on Apple Podcasts. We will read and answer your questions and comments on an upcoming podcast episode. This also helps us to share our real talk with more community members. You can also find me on my other podcast, Nutrition with Judy, on all podcast channels. You can also follow my content on Nutrition with Judy's Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find Carnivore Cure in paperback, ebook, and audio on Amazon. I also have a blog post and weekly newsletter with nutrition and wellness updates. You can sign up at nutritionwithjudy.com. You can find Laura on Instagram at Laura East Bath. You can follow along on her daily stories and see some of her funny skits. You can also find Laura on her YouTube channel where she shares tips on living a meat-based lifestyle. If you're wondering how much meat to eat in a day, week, or month, Laura has you covered. 
She also shares how to make a perfect sear on a steak and how extended fasting looks like in real life. You can find her YouTube channel by searching Laura's Bath. Thanks again for listening to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. And remember, make sure to cut against the grain. <laughs> <laughs>